Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's getaway day for both UGA and TCU. Both schools departing their respective campuses today and heading west. Los Angeles, their destination in advance of Monday night's national championship at SoFi Stadium. Happy to have you with us on this Friday afternoon for College Football Live. Wendy Nix and Pete Thamel. And we'll get to the game shortly, but we start with a developing story, Pete, out of Michigan. And I'll let you give the details. Well, Wendy, uh, you know, Michigan is under NCAA investigation, and for making some calls today, I think the important thing to know about this right now is that what Michigan has received from the NCAA and their enforcement department is a draft of a notice of allegations. So they have not actually received the notice yet, but it's more of a, it's more of a draft. There is a level one allegation that could come against Jim Harbaugh, but because it's only a draft, that's not certain. I was told today that we should know by the end of the month whether Michigan and Harbaugh will seek a negotiated resolution in this case. It appears that Harbaugh is facing a cooperation issue, which is often more serious than committing an actual violation. Um, if the case is not does not go to negotiated resolution and wrap up in a month or two, it could take more than a year. If there's a case, a committee on infractions ruling, and then a possible appeal. And obviously, Wendy, a year from now, who knows where Jim Harbaugh is even coaching? Well, isn't that the truth? We know he's once again flirting with a return to the NFL, Pete. He's stated he's going to stay at Michigan and remain the head coach there, but what do you think this means for his future? Well, when he obviously released what, what I would call a lukewarm statement of commitment to Michigan, which basically said, I may stay next year and enthusiastically coach you. And I, and I think the reality is that there's still interest from the Harbaugh camp in an NFL job. Uh, the Broncos have emerged, Wendy, as the most likely destination for Harbaugh. And again, there could be two or three more NFL jobs that open. So there's a lot there's a lot that still has to play out on the NFL level. But right now, there's an increased expectation that he is the or a top candidate for the Broncos head coaching job. All right. To be continued, no doubt about that. And Pete, uh, also, we continue to watch the player names in the portal. They're on the move and obviously a lot of players looking for their next destination. Uh, let's go, th go through some of these, if you will. Yeah, Wendy, let's start with Sam Hartman. He was the biggest move maybe of the portal this whole offseason. He's the, a linchpin for Marcus Freeman in his, his tenure going into his second year at Notre Dame. He is the ACC's all-time leader in touchdown passes, and he really is going to help give uh, an element of downfield dynamism to the pass game that was missing at Notre Dame next year. Notre Dame will have two potential All-Americans playing left tackle and right tackle next year. If they can bring in a big play receiver, it will really help them. Now we have Dylan Gabriel. He's obviously Wendy thrown for 11,000 yards in his college career, 95 touchdowns. After a 6-7, and seven, a rare losing season at Oklahoma, his return 
return is a huge boom for Brent Venables as he tries to upgrade the talent and rebuild in Norman. Jordan Birch is the classic five-star who's a, a slow developer. Late this season, you really saw Jordan Birch come on. He ended up with seven tackles for losses, three and a half sacks, and he will be coveted by Blue Bloods in the portal. Uh, from talking to some sources today, his most likely destinations are going to be Oregon, USC, or Georgia. He strongly considered Georgia in recruiting. Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator at the time, is obviously the head coach at Oregon. We'll, we'll, we'll transfer now to TCU and transfer is the operative word. The Horn Frogs have 18 portal guys on this team that's going to play on Monday night. Trey Sanders in this upcoming class is the third transfer from Alabama to go to Fort Worth. Sanders is a talented guy who has been unable to stay healthy in Tuscaloosa, but he's been a, a dynamic back from his time at uh, IMG and really look for Trey Sanders to potentially replace Kendra Miller's production if he can stay healthy at his next stop. Pete, thank you. Sort of mind-boggling the way the portal has transformed college football, college athletics in general, really. Uh, we appreciate it. And to that end, we'll say hello now to Tom Luganville. And, Tom, let's circle back to that first name Pete discussed, and that's Sam Hartman. Why is he a fit at Notre Dame? I think it's just pure experience, Wendy. I mean, this is a player that has thrown for so many yards, so, so many touchdowns. He is so experienced throughout his career. And here's the interesting thing. You know, he plays in that slow mesh offense at Wake Forest. And guess what? Everybody's trying to come up with a new way to defend this offense. So he's seen everything. Now, statistically, you may say, well, his numbers were down this year. Well, they were down in terms of yards, but they were improved in terms of completion percentage, which reflects accuracy. And they were improved in terms of turnovers as well. He threw less turnovers, uh, two less uh, interceptions than he did a year ago. And had they not had that eight turnover game that kind of changed the tra trajectory of their season, he would have had single digit turnovers. So I just think his mental toughness, his experience, his leadership, the fact that he's seen so many different things is going to bring a level of experience to that quarterback room with the components that are going to be around him that is going to be really, really advantageous for both Sam Hartman and the Notre Dame offense. Probably interesting to note, too, Tom, that he will be an upgrade in terms of QBR and a better touchdown-to-interception ratio than both of Notre yep. Dame's starting quarterbacks this season. Uh, we'll continue to talk about the Irish as we move on on College Football Live. It was a barn burner in Jacksonville, but when the smoke cleared, Notre Dame was still standing in the Gator Bowl. Head coach Marcus Freeman joins us next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, listen, at some point, man, all right? And I'm talking years from now. At some point, someone's going to ask you about this gator board. What the hell are we going to be able to say? One thing these dudes don't know that they're going to find out today. We know today. And they ain't. <laughs> and they ain't. 24 to 10 here in the Gator Bowl. This drive starts the rest of the game. Buckner and the Fighting Irish will come out 75 yards away from a touchdown they need to have to cut that deficit to seven. That ball is a good one to Diggs, and Logan's taken off. Past the defense, Diggs, 75 yards. Touchdown. He throws, and the ball is picked off by Benjamin Morrison. Gamecocks have scored in all three phases, and we thought Notre Dame was left for dead, but they've come back to get themselves in this game. Your best is good enough. That's all we need. Look at me when I tell you that. Your best is good enough. That's all we need. Nothing spectacular. Just do your best. It's going to work. Get out. And right now, Audric Estime is the back you want in the game. Feed the beast. Tyler Buckner all night, and he's demonstrated he's not phased by the pressure. Buckner takes it inside the five and back in the end zone. Yeah, yeah, ball game now, Tied up. Get the ball. Generate negative snap. It's a sixth tackle for loss for this defense. Three three and outs in their last four drives. Buckner wants it all in the first play, looking for Lindsey. Touchdown. It's in the air. I'm not, I don't know if he's going to get there. You in another gear? I'm like, oh my God, he's going to get there. Radler can't get out of there. He's going down. Jordan Botello. Got it. A fake. Here's Lindsey running around the edge. First down, Notre Dame. Our close first there. Hell yeah. Let's go, man. We're going to pull. Notre Dame has never led in the game. Hands off to Diggs. Right side. Hole first down. There he goes. And that was all she wrote. Oh, oh man. It's the highest scoring Tax Slayer Gator Bowl ever. Let's go. Let's go. Do that again. Let's win this game. Notre Dame has 183 yards rushing in the second half. South Carolina has eight. Wide open is Evans. No one covered him. Touchdown, Notre Dame. We do this. We do this, man. Gator Bowl chance, baby. Enough said. It was such a fun game to watch, and I imagine if you're Notre Dame, a lot of fun to play in. Coach Marcus Freeman, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. And listen, yours is a perfect example of one or two games does not a season make. You started off with some challenges and then things evened out and really had some success in the second half of the season. When you look back and you sort of judge it as a whole, Coach, uh, what do you feel? You know, I feel like we, we learned a lot of different lessons about um, ourselves as individuals, um, ourselves as a team. Um, and, and as I tell the guys all the time, it had to be this way. And um, we had to learn this way and we had to improve this way. And uh, um, I'm just proud of the way they finished, uh, proud of the leadership that we had. And uh, you know what? At the end of the day, I thought we did a great job of, of finding a way to finish this season off the right way. And uh, I love these guys. Coach, from the outside looking in, uh, it, coaching nowadays, dealing with the portal, dealing with NIL, it looks absolutely terrible, and I wouldn't want anything to do with it. From the other side, from your perspective, uh, wh what are your thoughts on that and dealing with this different way that you guys have to coach now? You know, Joe, I could complain 
I could say I love it, um, but the reality is it is what it is. And my only focus is say, okay, how do we capitalize off the, the portal and the way the college recruiting is and NIL and all these different things that, that go on in college football right now? And, and that's where my mind is, okay, we have this thing called the transfer portal. You know, how can we use it to enhance our roster with very specific needs? And uh, that's kind of how we're approaching it. Um, how do we make sure that we protect our guys? You know, and that's by continuing to remind them why they chose Notre Dame. But I don't want to waste time saying I don't like it or I do like it because then you're not doing anything to capitalize off of it. And uh, that's where my main focus is. <laughs> Coach, as it relates to the portal and, you know, your guys' involvement in it, I'm curious, and I know this is uncharted waters for, for so many of you, every coach in America, but how have you chose from a percentage perspective to say, all right, well, we'd like to allot X amount of scholarships to the high school level, or we'd like to allot X amount of scholarships to the transfer portal. We're still dealing with the extra year of eligibility. How have you massaged that to the best of your ability to hopefully come up with in the future, what will be your ultimate plan? Because I'm sure every, nobody has the perfect answer yet. No, it, it will be forever changing, Tom. And, and you know, listen, ultimately you got to get to 85 um, by the end of spring. And um, we understand that. But we want to continue to build the foundation of this football program through high school recruiting and to develop those young people, get them into our program. But we know we can utilize this transfer portal to truly enhance specific needs that we have, and we're going to do that. You know, now being a first-year head coach, um, you know, there's different decisions you have to make and, and different numbers you have to look at. But I don't think it's a black-and-white number right now as much as it is. Let's enhance the positions we need. Let's get the right guys out of high school. And then by the end of spring, we have to make sure our scholarship numbers are at 85. Coach, look, uh, let's switch gears for just a minute. I know it's a busy time because you finish playing. You, you immediately have to plan uh, for the next season, which comes quickly. But we do have a game on Monday night. I know we'll all be watching. When I say Georgia versus TCU, what comes to mind? Whew. Um really good football teams. Um, I got the first chance to watch TCU, I think, in the playoff game and uh, was very impressed by the, the really the, the execution of how they played the game, the speed they had. I think the quarterback is extremely talented. And Georgia um, has just done a great job just over the course of the last five years, ten years, but, I mean, specifically the last two years and obviously winning the national championship and, and this year trying to repeat. So I look forward to watching a, uh, a really competitive game with two really good teams. And um, you know what? There's got to be something you learn from it, you know, and, hey, what do they have that helped them get to the national championship game and where could I learn something from that game and say, okay, we can enhance our roster to give us a better chance to get there next year. Hey, Coach, when, when I heard that you guys were getting Sam Hartman and, and then watching you guys play this year, and, and it seemed that when you were at your best, it was just physical between the tackles, running teams over like you did late in the season. And then you hear, okay, here comes Sam Hartman, which we've seen him play at Wake Forest, and it is aired out. It's down the field. Uh, in your mind, how does that offense look? Because I know a lot of people are saying, how does he fit into this Notre Dame system and what you guys were good at this season? What does it look like next season? Well, I still think you have to be able to run the ball. Um, I think when you, you run the ball with success, um, it creates so many openings in the passing game, you know. But, you know, having a quarterback like Sam Hartman in your program is going to elevate the play of everybody. 
the quarterback room, the wideouts, everybody on your team. And, um, you know, I think for him, he was looking for, to get into an NFL-type system, a pro-style-type a pro offense. And uh, that's obviously what we have with Coach Reese and our offensive, uh, our offensive system. And so uh, I think it's really a win-win for everybody. Um, I look forward to getting him here and seeing how he'll fit into our offense scheme and how we can tailor our scheme around our quarterbacks and, uh, you know, obviously be productive, which is the ultimate goal. Coach, you referenced being a first-year year head coach, and, you know, last year at this time, you're, you're, you're finishing up the first signing period. You're going to go into the next signing period, and then you get your staff together. You can lay out your blueprint, work to execute it, figure out how you're going to go about your business. As you reflect upon the last year, and now you guys are more entrenched, um, you know exactly what you're going after, how you're going to do it, you know, what have you learned as a first-year head coach now that not only have you had an in-season – but you had an off-season to prepare for that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was last year, everything was a first, right? You, you, you play your first bowl game, you coach your first bowl game, you transition to recruiting, then your first spring as the head coach, and you're off, you know, the off-season, then the fall camp, and everything was a first, whereas this year, um, you know what, you kind of have a blueprint for what you want to do. And we obviously have to enhance what we're doing, and we will, but you have that consistency amongst your, your personnel, your coaching staff, and, and your, an idea of what we're going to do as we go throughout this season. I was just doing a calendar yesterday, and, uh, you know, it was like, okay, we know what we're going to do here, and we know what we're going to do here. How do we tailor it to 2023? Um, that's going to be something that we do. But the blueprint is, is already um, – laid in, in stone and uh, we, we're going to look forward to, to just build upon that. Well, Coach, we appreciate you being with us. We look forward to watching you build on that uh, and uh, already excited about a new college football season, but we got one more game to go. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks, Coach. When College Football Live returns, we talk so much about the portal, so much about name image likeness almost always about the challenges it poses, but what about the opportunity? We'll talk about that. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. He's certain to affect the game and the opponent's game plan. Fast. Agile. Strong. This tight end is considered the nation's best. Brock Bowers. Good luck stopping him. Well, with the arrival of name, image, likeness, and the partnerships, we've seen a lot of opportunity, and in a lot of cases, a lot of cash, some of which was put to very good use. You can see what Brock Bowers did. He took 16 deserving kids on a Christmas shopping spree. That was all made possible by NIL money. And he's not alone. We've seen other players uh, across college football do this. Uh, in this case, we see uh, another situation where kids are on a shopping spree. We saw one player pay off his sister's 
student loans. Uh, the list goes on and on, and you can see uh, these Georgia players in particular who, of course, will play on Monday night, what they've been able to do. And, Joey, listen, it's interesting because for years we debated this. Should we pay collegiate players? It will change the game. It will change things, and it certainly has. But in these instances, and there have been several others, uh, actually a lot, uh, these, this, this money is being put to very good use, and there's been a lot of opportunity for players. Yeah, this has been coming for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, it came a lot of years after I got done playing. But, uh, you know, from a positive standpoint, <laughs> Uh, the opportunity for number one these players to uh, to receive cash and, and which obviously would help their families help their own personal situations and now we're starting to see it help charities and so when you look at the positive side of this all those things have always been talked about always been on the table and now finally the players are having opportunities to receive money to help out in a lot of different areas you know, Joey, I think the, the long-term view here, too, if, if many of these players who have these opportunities are smart about this and they have the right guidance and they have the right structure, is when you partner with a company or a business, whether it's local or it's national, all right, 15 years down the road when maybe all the money's gone and football's over with, you may have encountered somebody that you met through this process that could provide you with employment, that you have a long-standing relationship with, that you've been able to generate an opportunity, a business opportunity to help provide for your family, you know, through retirement. And so I think, you know, we saw Dick Sporting Goods on there. I think that's a, a prime example. If, if a guy like Brock Bowers is, is smart about this, he's going to continue to facilitate those relationships, um, obviously uh, be on top of the people that he needs to be networking with and know that, you know, Five, 10, 15 years down the road, these moments right now, while we can be very philanthropic and we can donate to charity and we can do all the right things, which I love, but you can also set yourself up down the line if you're thinking of this with a long-term vision. Yeah, I think it's myopic, guys, to say this is all bad or all good or, you know, it, it's a mixed bag. And those are certainly the positive, the positive benefits of NIL, Joey. Do you anticipate we see any change in the way this is set up, given though there are particular challenges, especially when it comes to recruiting? It's become a huge part of a package for these marquee players. I think like Coach Freeman just said, everyone's trying to figure this out uh, while it's happening. It's brand new. Uh, and so as we move forward, uh, everyone's going to have to figure out how this happens moving forward because, you know, it, when we're talking about paying players, we're talking about uh, guys in the portal uh, and opportunities, now these opportunities are all over the place. And so if you're at a school, uh, instead of staying there at times, you can jump in the portal and maybe find some NIL money other places. And then you have situations where if a player comes in uh, receiving a lot of NIL money and that company or whoever is paying that individual expects them to get on the field, uh, and they're not getting on the field uh, soon, then they may have to go somewhere else. So I think there's a lot of things that happen with NIL right now that we don't know and we can't see, uh, it, but we're going to find out. And, and hopefully it stays a lot more toward the positive side. But the direction that some of this is going uh, feels negative to me because some of it is taking guys in situations where no one stays and nobody, uh, you know, nobody's going to have a backup quarterback, so to speak. You know, we see every backup quarterback that doesn't win a starting job in the spring usually jumps in the portal. And then we're seeing situations where uh, guys have had huge success also jump in the portal, take their talents somewhere else to play, and a lot of that is tied to NIL money. And so that part of this feels really bad to me.
see Caden Proctor right uh, there, guys. Yeah, ahead, you Tom. see Caden Proctor, number one ranked player in the state of Iowa for the 2023 class. He goes on record and sets the record straight as it relates to name, image, and likeness and how it's trickled down to the recruiting landscape. Now, this is never what any of this was intended for. Um, everybody knew it wasn't intended for this, but anybody with half a brain knew this was going to happen. And the issue, and Joey touched on it, is not all programs are created equal. Not all programs are going to have the same level of resources to be able to manage and navigate this space and to dominate in recruiting or dominate with, the, with their current roster. And I think the thing that is, is disheartening in all of this is we are sitting here and if we have money going out the door and we've got power brokers or boosters and, and they want to they be so badly involved with the program that they're going to throw a bunch of money out there to land a top flight recruit. Well, guess what, top flight recruit? You better produce because the only thing around name, image, and likeness that matters is production and value. How do you generate value? You generate that through performance. So what's going to start happening here if, if all these dollars start getting thrown around at, at the high school level in recruiting? And I understand it's not supposed to happen, but right now, who's policing it? Who's governing it? How are you supposed to go about that process? So if we have a bunch of players start coming into the college landscape over the next two to three years that aren't producing and a bunch of money's being thrown their way, there's going to be a lot of people going, wait, what, what are we doing? Is this a wise investment? Why did we do this? Is this smart? And now you're going to want to get the guy on the field and the coach is saying, hey, listen, he's not good enough. And then you got the guy paying him and he's all frustrated about it. This is a very, very tangled web that we have just now scratched the surface of. And it's, it's very, very dangerous. And I'm, I'm a, listen, I, I love for players to have the opportunity to earn. Earn's the operative word. And, Joey, I think you agree with me on this. If you perform, all right, and you earn, then you are entitled to every cent out there in name, image, and likeness. This isn't something for nothing. And that's the scary part about it as it relates to recruiting. That 17-year-old kid needs to realize, oh, wait a minute, there's a responsibility here. I have to now go out and perform the task all right, that I'm quote-unquote being compensated for through name, image, and likeness. Yeah, that's part of the, the program as far as like – and the NFL is the same way and all the pro leagues are the same way. When a rookie comes in and makes a lot of money more than a veteran and he hasn't produced yet, uh, you, you've had this argument for a, a million years and it's still going to be there. It's still going to be the same. Uh, it, it will be interesting to me, and Tom, you mentioned it, how long the boosters stay plugged into this uh, because we're just starting. And so there's a lot of money. Uh, being yeah. thrown a lot of different places. I wonder how long uh, that money continues to come in. You mentioned it. If you're paying a guy that doesn't produce, uh, how quickly are you going to jump back in and throw your money back in? So, man, this thing is just starting. It's going to be really interesting in the next you know, few years to see where it takes us. But the feeling early on is it's great when it's good. And it feels terrible when it's bad. And so we'll hopefully find uh, some regulations, some, some way to, like, make this more equitable for a lot more schools except those at the top that have a lot of money to throw around. Well, enjoy the ultimate goal to kind of put a, a cap on this is for everybody involved to benefit and for there to be rules to be guidelines, all right, that both the universities and the overall structure, as well as the player side of it, they all come together and guess what's that, what that's called? Collective bargaining. Because right now, that's going to be the only thing 
that will keep everything out of court. Because if we start saying, you know, instituting rules and saying, oh, well, for name, image, and likeness, you're not going to be able to do this, 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 and this until this happens. Guess what? The players are going to lawyer up and they're going to say, well, you're restricting my ability to earn. So this thing's going to come down to collective bargaining because we talk about performance, Joey. And one of the issues with the contracts that these guys are signing is because they're not employees, they can't have performance incentives. So there's nothing in those contracts that says, hey, you get X, Y, Z if you do A, B, C, right? Basically, it's money to represent a company. Well, that's not how the real world works, right? So there has to be some coming together at the table to push forward, and I think that's going to be collective bargaining at some point or another. Well, I would agree, Tom. This genie is not going back in the bottle. We know that. This is where we're headed, but we are also no. a long way from the finished product, to your point. There's just too many questions and too many challenges that haven't been addressed, and, and we'll have to get there at some point. And I agree. It's likely a collective bargaining process. Uh, we have a chance now to take a quick look at our progressive bowl challenge cup. Uh, the MAC went four and two in bowl games. They lead the bowl challenge cup. The SEC can jump up to second with a win in the national championship game. That would come courtesy of Georgia. Of course, the American ACC and Big Ten all finished above 500 this bowl season. Coming up, Keely Ringo's championship clinching interception in last year's game immortalized him for Georgia fans. But for Keely and his mother, it's so much more than that. Their story coming up. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. When I caught the ball, it was just like, just trying to figure out a way to score. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Man, just grasping the feeling like, like man, we just really did this. Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. That moment meant even more to me because of what me and my son had been through the previous year. I am so thankful and so blessed that I'm here to see it. This is a story about a mother and a son and the whatever-it-takes pact that bonds them. Even in the face of a brutal fight, against an all-too-common foe. Charlie Hale is a single mother who loves watching her son, Keely Ringo, play football. A flight attendant, she always made it home for his games. And as Keely's star grew towards becoming one of the top prospects in the nation, Charlie remained his biggest fan for every step, even when he pledged to play for the Georgia Bulldogs and left home on June 3, 2020. That's where this journey begins, with a mother who had devoted everything for her son, finally listening to her own body. I had a mass that was palpable for nine months. When he left to school on June 3rd, I went ahead and made my appointment, and that revealed then I had stage two be triple negative ductural carcinoma, which is a rapidly growing tumor and had to be treated as such. Triple negative breast cancer actually affects minority women, black women between ages 30 and 40. I had no clue. As soon as I received my diagnosis and I began one of the hardest forms of chemo the following day. The first thing I thought about is like, what would I do if I didn't have my mother? 
in a couple of months from now, like where my mindset be at. With Keeley more than 1,800 miles away in Athens, Georgia, Tralee began her chemotherapy regimen in Phoenix, Arizona. It's so hard. That was as close to laying on my deathbed as I have ever felt. It just kills your body. It's designed to kill. It does its job. I don't want to be alone right now. It was really hard, honestly. I mean, like, just trying to stay in contact and, and, just, and, just, and just know that we're both here for each other. Tough times don't last, hard people do. He was there for me. I would literally have him turn on his FaceTime while he's studying. And I just sit there and watch him watch TV, or I'm watching TV too, but I can just see him and we're both on mute. He's my company and he is my friend. He's not just my son. Tralee received chemotherapy treatment through November 2020 before electing to undergo a bilateral mastectomy, a surgery to remove both breasts. Amid all this, Tralee would still fly from Arizona to watch Keeley compete for the Bulldogs. Six weeks after Keeley's iconic interception, mother and son got even better news. You're cancer free. mom in the stadium what I've been through is behind me and I am so thankful and so blessed that I'm here she's a fighter and just knowing that anything that she's gone through and anything that I'll go through there's no comparison she's really my motivation I have a completely different outlook on my strength level you don't know how strong you are until being strong is the only option you have Such a tremendous story, and of course, uh, we have remember Keeley's iconic interception, as Marty Smith called it, and uh, what a difference maker in last year's national championship game. He'll be there again as Georgia looks to become the first repeat national champion since Alabama did it, Tom, in 2011 and 12. This is a good defense. To say otherwise would be silly, uh, but some have said it's not the defense of last year. Do you have any concerns, and if you do, what would they be for this Georgia defense? Well, I tell you, it's about explosive plays, um, particularly in the last couple of games that Georgia has played. Uh, just against Ohio State in the semifinal, they gave up 13 plays of either 20 or more yards or 13 or more yards on the ground. And of those 13 plays, seven of them went for 20 or more yards through the air. And that's uncharacteristic of Georgia. Now, we outlined Wednesday on College Football Live that TCU is tied for the fifth most plays of 50 yards or more since 2004. So something's got to give here, right? And the way that, uh, that Georgia was able to kind of bend but don't break was they got four sacks against Ohio State. So even if there's some explosive plays that TCU is able to generate, either on the ground with Max Duggan, through the air with Quentin Johnson, um, it's going to be crucial for TCU to be able to protect because Georgia's shown that they might be able to bend, but if they can get some pressure, 
affect the quarterback, get some sacks, it can negate the explosive plays that they've given up. And we watched what a mobile C.J. Stroud did to Georgia's defense and how he affected him. And we know Max Duggan is also mobile, also can run. Uh, C.J. Stroud, uh, the two touchdowns he threw to Marvin Harrison Jr. was he stayed alive and, and rolled out and got outside the pocket and made plays down the field. And so when you watch that defense uh, all season long, when they get pressure on a quarterback and keep him in the pocket, uh, they dominate football games. In the last couple games dealing with mobile quarterbacks, there are some plays given up. And so if Max Duggan, you can imagine TCU is looking at these two games thinking uh, if Max Duggan can make these kind of plays getting outside the pocket, then they can also have that same success. Well, again, uh, strength versus strength, as is so often the case, we will see this uh, develop in real time on Monday night. It's interesting Guys, we talk a lot about Kirby Smart all last year about getting the monkey off his back. He's one of Georgia's own. He's already got one national title under his belt. What would a second mean? Hard to know, but he'll tell you when Marty Smith sits down with the head coach next. I had pretty good faith, trust, and confidence they were never going to quit and they were going to keep fighting. It's a three-point game, 38-35. Dogs aren't done yet. And they went out and did it. No! <laughs> I need to look you in the eye. I need you to understand something. I couldn't be prouder of what y'all did. I couldn't be prouder. Nobody ever quit. Nobody ever flinched. How aware are you of the historical significance of this national championship game in terms of how many teams have achieved back-to-back -back titles? Well, I'm aware because I was a part of one of uh, those, you know, while at Alabama, and I know how hard that is to do. I also had the great fortune of having a really good team last year, and our, our, our staff and organization did such a good job with that team, but we lost all of them. So it was like starting over. So the motivation job was probably not as hard as most repeats are. As you studied TCU, what are your impressions? Unbelievable competitive character. You look at each and every game, they play with a toughness and a uh, I will not be denied attitude that, that I've never seen before. And you actually like see it on the tape because every game you watch, it's extremely competitive. It's down to the wire. They've got a really tough conference and they play to the finish line in every week and they've been able to pull, you know, pretty much all of them out. They say to have composure, it's hard to do on an island. Guess what? We got connection, takes care of that problem. What's the best part of this for you? The pride in the players and the way they play. You know, we had a really, really emotional moment Friday at the hotel before the game against Ohio State where we have our team meeting and we have someone share. And uh, it's the first time that I think in my seven-year career I got emotional in front of the players and had a hard time holding it in because I had just heard them speak from the heart. What was your emotion and what did you say in response? My emotion was just love and uh, I just told them. I was like, man, I've just never been around a group. I, I told them I didn't think you could love a team more than what I loved last year's team for all they embodied and all they stood for and the leadership. And then along came this team. They don't have you know, the same celebrity and, and top round draft picks that, that that group had. 
but man, do they got a mean chip on their shoulder. Well, head coach Kirby Smart has an opportunity to win his second national title at 47 years old. He would be the youngest head coach at the time of his second championship since Urban Meyer in 2008 at the age of 44. Certainly a tremendous run so far and continuing at Georgia. We know Tom Darnell Washington is a game time decision. Let's take a look, if you will, at what he means, how he factors into the game plan. Well, if you can get Darnell Washington on the field opposite of Brock Bowers, which if you're going to be in two back or one back, it would be 22 personnel or 12 personnel. You create some real mismatch problems for opposing defenses. If you look at Darnell Washington here, he's going to end up running the wheel route down the sideline, but you've got a linebacker and a safety matched up versus a six foot seven target. It's a complete and utter mismatch. And oh, by the way, you still have to contend with Brock Bowers. And how many teams do you see in college football that run a quick jet sweep to the tight end? Usually that guy's a five foot 10, 175 pound Joey Galloway with blazing speed. No, this guy's a six foot four, 240 pound player that you've got to be aware of at all times. Look at this formation right here. You've got single coverage to the top. Pre-snap, Stetson Bennett knows exactly what he's doing. But Darnell Washington's to the bottom. So you got three on three at the bottom, one versus one, a six foot four height advantage. You throw it up, you throw up the 50-50 ball. Now, if for some reason Darnell Washington can't play, now defenses are going to be a little bit more prone to roll coverage. All right, maybe two Brock Bauer's side or two the strength of the formation. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's really important for Darnell Washington to be involved in the game plan here, because if one's lined up on one side and one's lined up on the other, you got some problems on defense. I agree with you, Tommy. And you, Joey, you look listen, at it, you again, got a six, game time decision. Guy. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Joey. Wendy. <laughs> well, what happens, so, Joey, if he can't yeah, go? When, when you, yeah, when, when you look at it, and Tom sort of touched on it, when you have a 6'7 guy on the other side that you can't leave by himself, it takes a lot of pressure off of Brock Bowers. And, and so when, if he doesn't go in this situation, uh, it, it just makes it a lot harder at times for Stetson Bennett to find out where he's going to go with the ball. But they do have other guys like Aaron Smith that had a huge game against Ohio State. So anytime you have big playmakers, it makes you have to be less accurate with your football. If you're like Tom mentioned, if you're throwing to a guy like me, you got to be pretty accurate with the ball. I'm not going to just jump over guys. But having these big weapons like they do and two big tight ends, teams have to decide with their safeties, with their linebackers, which guy you're going to try to take away. Well, Joey, guys, and listen, it wouldn't be the first time that a game like this came down to special teams. I mean, there's a reason we say all three phases of the game, right? Offense, defense, special teams. A little bit of a discrepancy in this case if you look at the season as a whole, Tom. Uh, how critical of a factor do you expect special teams to be? And is it fair to say that that might be one area TCU has an advantage? Yeah, potentially, Wendy. If I'm George, I don't want to kick it to Darius Davis. You know, I think the, the, the number one key is TCU somehow, somehow has to get some three and outs and get off the field on third down. If they do, and you decide to punt it, and you punt it to Darius Davis, he's returned five punts for touchdowns during his career. He can flip field position. And if you're Sonny Dykes and you're this offense and Garrett Riley, boy, would you love to be able to start some offensive series in plus territory, have some breathing room, already be in four down territory offensively because your kicking game flipped field position. You look at those numbers right there, that's certainly a benefit, but it won't matter 
if TCU can't get off the field. You got to get off the field to try and ensure you get the ball into the hands of Darius Davis. Yeah, and then well, the other ways you get around a good punt return. TCU will have to have some sort of perfect game to be successful Monday night. Uh, special teams could go a long way, I think, in tipping the scale, but we shall see. Uh, there's been no shortage of tremendous highlights in this fantastic college football season. And why not look back? Our images of the year are on deck. Here's a look at the college football playoff national championship trophy presented by Dr. Pepper. Los Angeles sunshine shining down upon the trophy. And here's what we've got on the menu coming up. Monday on ESPN, College Football Live will start at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's built by the Home Depot. Then championship drive as well as college game day. Then the Ram Trucks College Football pregame kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern. College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then wrapping things up, post-game will be Scott Van Pelt the Sports Center. Give you all the action, highlights, and analysis following the national championship game. As we reflect 2022 coming to an end and 2023 we embark on now, let's take a look back at the images of the year. Welcome to college football prime time. you but I love college football and leaping it is here you and die we are not alike but you don't shine when they hit a light are you kidding me he's okay but I'm kind of nice This is as good of a catch as we will ever Oh my gosh. Intercepted. Big six, double. Marshall wins it. It's caught. Touchdown. Holy cross. Watch out. Heavy hitter. And good. Fired up, man. He wants to win. Woohoo! Here's Edwards with the last two huge touchdowns. Domination for the Wolverines. Let's go play ball. Got it to Bartholomew. Up and over and in. What a play. What is yours? Was that intercepted? It was! Oh my goodness! Caught Bowers off a dip! This for the win against Alabama.
committed. The Bowers catches it at the one, turns and scores. Touchdown, Georgia. The bracket is complete, and it's going to be a fun watch. We cannot wait. Intercepted by D. Winners, and a touchdown. Quentin Johnston has the first down. What a year it was in 2022, but we're not done yet as you take a look at the Megacast menu. TCU taking on Georgia Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU. We're going to have you covered coast to coast, every nook and cranny, including hometown radio, the marching bands, the national radio broadcast, as well as Pat McAfee's show with the field pass presented by Mercedes-Benz. If you weren't entertained by college football in the 2022 season, I don't know what you expected. It was a spectacular year. 2022, hit it, baby. Let's see if 2022 can end correctly. 